0: Everybody, this is Lee Evie, and welcome again to the Lee Evie K Drama Podcast Show. I'm very, very excited to be here this week again chatting with you about K dramas. Uh, it's really, really exciting for me. I think, particularly. You know when you start something new, like a new project, and you kind of put yourself out there and do something because you feel passionate about it, it is a really, really exciting thing to then find out that people are actually, you know, listening. It's pretty cool. So I guess I want to start off this week by just saying a huge thank you again to everyone who is tuning into this every week. It kind of blows my mind that people are interested in anything I have to say. But it's been so much fun for me just to delve deep into into these shows that I love. And you. when I'm at home, I watch like a whole show, um, a whole Korean drama, you know, which sometimes is a lot of episodes. And, you know, I'll have a little bit of a conversation with someone, you know, in my family about why I'm loving it. But I never get to talk about them in such depth as I have been since I started this podcast. And I can't describe how much fun that has been for me. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, This week on the show, um, rather than the last two weeks where I kind of delved into a bunch of different dramas, I'm doing a bit of a deep dive today into the most recent drama that I finished watching. So... Okay, so the drama that I've chosen to talk about this week is the 2019 uh, kind of, I guess it's a crime thriller, kind of detective story, very twisty plots and a little bit of serial murdering, of course. Uh, It is called Justice. It is a 2019 K-drama. It is based on a web novel, uh, which I didn't actually realize, but now there you go. And it stars Cha Jin Hyuk, who, if anyone has been listening to this for more than two minutes has probably realized is one of my favorite actors. Um, I don't think I have an absolute favorite actor, um, that's about four or five that I just will follow around drama land, um, to kind of check out any project that they do. Um, and definitely Choi Jin-hyuk is one of those actors that I kind of follow around to the point where I've watched quite a lot of some of his dramas that are pretty bonkers. Um, Has anyone seen The Last Empress? That was a. Okay, so kind of like it came out in 2018 and and carried over to 2019. That was a weirdly addictive. I guess it was a mukjang, I suppose. It was very melodramatic um, and really bonkers. And the funniest thing, if you haven't seen it, I have just got to tell you that. Uh, Cha Jin Hyuk plays this character, so he's played by a different actor at the whole beginning part of the drama, who is this very short, chubby, sweet looking dude, who is a complete kind of doofus basically and then uh when his whole family is murdered and he goes through all this shit he wants to have revenge against you know the modern king of korea so he goes and like works out a bit in like a workout montage does some exercises and then comes back as like the toweringly tall completely different voiced chae jin hyok it is so fucking funny. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, And I did really enjoy that drama. I watched quite a lot of it, but it is fucking crazy. Like I can't even describe how crazy it was. And I think towards the end, it even got too crazy for me, which is probably saying something. So I'm just using that as an example of the kind of stuff that I will watch because of Cha Jin Hyuk. So he is, interestingly enough, in, you know, I guess this kind of, crime show kind of style is, I mean, it's very popular and there's a lot of K-dramas that come out with this kind of more serious kind of crime thriller tone. And I've watched quite a lot of them, but interestingly enough, I've realized that quite a lot of the ones that I have watched that have a similar kind of feel to this one actually also star Cha Jin-hyuk. So he's in Tunnel, which was from 2017, which is a fantastic drama if you haven't seen it. It's kind of like a crime thriller, um, you know, detective story, but with a little bit of a twist with some time travel thrown in. It's a really moving and fantastic kind of plotty mystery, I suppose. And Che Jin-hyuk was also in Pride and Prejudice, um, which almost has a similar vibe to Justice, the one I'm talking about today, although I'm getting a bit off topic, aren't I? But Pride and Prejudice, I think... I mean, I really enjoyed that show. It's very solid and uh, was really good, but I don't know if it's quite as slick as Justice. And this is something I really, really noticed about Justice when I was watching it is it's it is filmed so well. Like the shots are framed like photography prints sometimes, like they, the way that they use lighting. um, So, you know, I guess natural light during the day, but a lot of kind of artificial lighting in houses, these, you know, they go to bars and there's these dim sort of lamp lights and everything's sort of filtered very much and kind of leached of color. And um, it's just really, really well shot, really interestingly shot. Um, so I think that really draws the eyes. I'm, I just, I love it when K-dramas look beautiful as well as, you know, are emotional and have great plots and stuff. Um, and I think it's just a little bit rarer. Um, obviously there's heaps of K-dramas that do look beautiful, that are shot beautifully and framed beautifully, but, you know, because of the live, you know, the live shooting schedule, it's just, It's sometimes I think it's just too hard to do that. So I have to say I really, really appreciated how beautiful justice looks, which is really interesting that it's such a beautiful drama because, you know, the kind of shots that I'm talking about, they're not of things that are beautiful. They're not beautiful scenery. They're like the inside of these glass cold apartments and, you know, these dirty, scungy streets, but that are lit by lamplights and have this just a really strong kind of vibe. Like, I guess the whole thing is very noirish, which is, I think, really cool. And I think they did a really, really good job with it. So I guess the reason why I chose to watch this, um, I really enjoy these kind of, um, you know, heavily plotted crime fiction shows, but they're not my absolute favorite. Like, I think really my favorite is the sagok dramas and also like the youth romance kind of stuff. Um, But every now and then a crime drama comes along that I just really want to check out and I get very interested in them. I never find myself as addicted, I suppose, like, you know, really addicted. And I think that's because, you know, these kind of shows don't usually have a lot of romance. And I guess, you know, if I'm honest with myself, romance is always kind of the highest pulling or hooking factor for me when it comes to a story. It's the thing that I love the most. But I also really, really appreciate watching a show like this, Justice, which is so solid and so twisty and has some really compelling character journeys, even if they're not the kind that are, you know, super romantic and maybe the kind of thing that is normally up my alley. But I think it's nice to kind of branch out and be watching, you know, really different styles of shows. Uh, So I did really, really enjoy this one. I think, um, you know, it's a very interesting show in terms of the lead character, particularly the first episode. The first episode of Justice opens on uh, Che Jin-hyuk's character, who is Yi Tae-kyung. So Yi Tae-kyung is a lawyer and he's like the biggest, baddest lawyer in Seoul. And he is a fucking scary guy, like, and he is... He has no morals. He is corrupt as fuck and he is horrible. And I think the character journey for Tae Kyung during this drama is really interesting and really well done. Um, I really liked his whole setup and I also liked how dirty he was in that first episode. Um, you know, he's sort of uh, he's defending this absolute fucker of a guy who has clearly raped someone and he is turning the victim into, you know, victim blaming, blaming. He's horrible. He's doing everything that, you know, you just hate the most about a kind of gross dude. And it does turn around, which is the magic of K-dramas, of course, this kind of character development from someone who is a lowly piece of ugh into someone who finds their morals again and figures out, you know, what is right in the world. So I found his character journey very fascinating. Um, It's quite slow as well. I feel like I mean, the drama isn't slow to watch by any means, but the character development is slow, which I think is good. You know, fast character development that's too quick, I think just feels really unrealistic. Like, you know, he's just changing his mind suddenly. Was this I felt was a real slow burn. I could see how badly he didn't want to accept that you know, his life was a piece of shit and then he was a piece of shit and how badly he was hanging on to this reality that he would built for himself before it all comes crumbling down. Um, so yeah, um, I chose this drama <laughs> because of Ch- Choi Jin Hyuk, um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's a really solid kind of crime thriller, um, and really good fun actually. So to begin with, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story setup of Justice, um, which I really, really liked. Um, I thought it was set up really well. It's got a pretty cool plot. So it starts with Taekyung, played by Che Jin Hyuk. So Taekyung is um, I'm going to tell it sort of a little bit more linearly if that's the right word. I can never pronounce that word. Um, but whilst the drama is a little bit more, you know, it's flashing back and forth. But basically, Taekyong is this young man who is just sort of um, coming up to exams for his bar exam. He's going to be a lawyer and he's just passed it when his brother dies in a hit and run. Um, and the hit and run, the guys who, you know, ran in their spiffy sports car um, all get caught and get brought to court. Um, and they're all, you know, the sons of Chaebol heirs. Uh, they're very richy rich and they don't give a fuck about what they've done at all, clearly. So it's in this car accident is how Tae-kyong's younger brother, who is a delivery man, dies. And we see in the courtroom that these horrible douches just get off scot-free and Kyong freaks out. He cannot deal with the fact that the whole system is so corrupt that these young men, just because they're from rich families, they're getting away with this terrible, terrible crime. They're clearly, you know, drink driving or whatever. Um, And so he decides that he's going to do something about it. And he's, you know, he's obviously a good guy. Um, he's from a poor background. He and his brother sort of living together and looking after each other. And his little brother is working so that Taekyong can study, you know, to give his, his older brother a chance to make something of his life. So they have a very, very strong bond. Um, and Taekyong is obviously devastated at his little brother's death, and he is so frustrated and angry and just filled with rage that he decides to take revenge. But just as he makes the decision to go and, like, like, I guess he's going to go and kill these young men. Um, And he just doesn't care about his future anymore. He's just going to throw everything away because I suppose he's poured so much of himself into the idea of being a lawyer and being involved in the justice system. And now he, you know, he's had this complete about turn where he doesn't believe in it anymore. He doesn't believe in justice anymore. And he thinks the system is corrupt. But just before he sort of heads off to try and murder these guys, which I presume would end really badly, this older dude turns up, who is called Wu Yong in this drama, played by an actor called Son Hyun I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, um, who is, you know, just one of those old dudes who's in like every K-drama you've ever seen. So Wu Yong turns up, and he's this very slick businessman, and he obviously, you know, you can just tell he exudes power and wealth, and he's very softly spoken. And he turns up, and he offers Tae kyong Revenge. He says, I will help you do it. But it's obviously this whole deal with the devil thing where Tae Kyung is going to get what he wants, but he's then going to owe Woo Yong a favor or his life forever. And what Yong wants, right, is he is this guy who owns this big construction company. He's a big businessman and he has his fingers in every pie in the city. So he's kind of in bed with politicians and judges and just everyone of like a who's who of the old, rich, powerful men in this city. And what he wants is a lawyer. So this is really interesting. He's kind of like a fixer-upper. So if you're really rich and you have a scandal that you want covered, you call this guy and he will make you pay a lot of money, but he'll put his top lawyer on the case and he will get you off scot-free. Um, and so that's why he wants Kyung. He wants a lawyer to be on his side who can do all his dirty, dirty business. But he wants to own that man's soul. So I guess pull him into that world. Like give him the riches and the money, but make it even more than that. Make it so Kyung could never walk away and get cold feet or change his mind or decide he doesn't want to be a bad person. And so what's really fascinating is that Tae Kyung does it. He goes with this older gent, Woo Young, to this cabin in the middle of the countryside. And then together they fucking murder these young dudes, like blood everywhere. A lot of murder, blood all over Tae Kyung's face. And he leaves. He, you know, he walks out into the snow and he's walking along this highway. and He's just in complete shock. And that's when Woo Young kind of turns out, he offers him this, you know, glass of, I don't know if it's whiskey or bourbon or, you know, some sort of hard liquor that, you know, sophisticated old gents drink apparently. And, um, you know, he, he offers him his future, you know, come work for me. I'll look after you and you do what I say. And because Tae Kyung has just done the worst thing that he's ever done in his whole life, um, you know, he's been part of these murders. His brother is dead. He doesn't believe in the future. He doesn't believe in himself. He agrees. And then seven years later is when the drama really begins. And that's when we see the kind of man that he has become. And it is not a good man. He has no morals and he will do anything. And he's enjoying, you know, his life. But it's interesting. There's a point I think Woo Young says something to him about, you know, you because he's obviously not saving. He's not savoring life. He just spends his money like water was the phrase. And I thought that was such a good way to describe Tae Kyung's character at the beginning of this drama. He's a man who doesn't give a fuck about anything in the entire world. He has so much, so much money and wealth and power and he doesn't give a shit about it either. He just, you know, it just slides through his fingertips as he just spends and spends and is never full and is never satisfied. And it's around this time that we're introduced to another character played by Nana uh, and her name is Yonna. So Nana is an actress that I've seen once before in a kind of like a hitman thriller, um, kind of a mini drama, I guess, uh, called Kill It, which was quite fun, which I haven't finished yet, which I really want to. Um, but I find the actresses really, really interesting. She reminds me like a hundred percent of the actress Kim Ji Won. Like, they're so similar in the way that they look in their face, but also in their mannerisms and the way that they speak. Um, It was really confusing for me. So Kim Ji Won, of course, is the actress who stars in Arthdal Chronicles. Uh, She's also in Fight for My Way um, with Park Soo Joon. Um, Fight for My Way is a really fun kind of rom-com show. It's really good. She's also, of course, in Descendants of the Sun and, you know, a whole bunch of other things. So it's just interesting, I think, um, how much those two actresses just, I I feel like they could, you know, kind of be swapped out and the other one put in. They're so similar. But in saying that, I really did like uh, Nana's performance in this drama. I think she's I guess I've only seen her in these kind of, you know, powerful woman, uh, kind of professional, you know, prosecutor roles, to be honest. Um, but I think she's very good at it. She has a lot of um, kind of she's got a bit of a heavyweight kind of feel about her. So she's able to sort of, I think, pin her part of the drama Um you know, which is really good considering the other two leads in this. Uh, Chae jin Hyok is obviously an amazing actor. And then um, the older gent guy, um, the one who's playing woo Yong, is also, you know, he's very softly spoken and quiet, but he has a lot of presence. So I think she was really good at holding her own um, against those two dudes in this drama. So she plays a prosecutor who is all about justice. Like she believes in it a hundred percent and she thinks that Kyong is a dirty, dirty piece of crap because, you know, he has no soul basically at this point. Well, she is all about the truth and she's all about justice. So she has um, a really old guy who's her dad. Um, who is like really, really high up in the kind of prosecution building, whatever. I don't know. He's really, really powerful and he's really, really old. (laughs) And, um, you know, they have a good relationship. She loves him a lot. Uh, and I thought, oh, I guess I won't touch on it yet. But there was some really interesting stuff with him. That was a bit of a plot twist I didn't expect. But I guess back to the story. What happens with Tae character is that um, Yona, the prosecutor played by Nana, is investigating this crime. And it kind of starts to come to light that maybe Tae brother, who died in a hit and run, was actually at a crime scene the day before, an unsolved crime scene of a young woman actress who was murdered in her apartment. And he was there trying to deliver a package to her house. And then he gave the package to this other young girl, and then the next day he's dead. So the prosecutor, Yona, is very suspicious. She thinks that perhaps Taekyong's brother was murdered. And the people that are getting implicated is Woo Young. So this is, you know, the businessman who's Taekyung has sold his soul to is basically potentially the culprit behind Taekyung's brother's death. And you start thinking he's orchestrated the entire thing. I don't think he did it to get Taekyung, you know, into his circle. Um, But I think getting Taekyong was like a really nice little side product of a huge other conspiracy and plot that is going on in this drama, which, you know, I won't fully get into because I don't want to spoil everything, but it is well worth a watch. Like it just peels back layer upon layer. But what I like the most is that, you know, when Taekyong is kind of confronted by this truth that Perhaps his brother was murdered and didn't just die by this hit and run thing. And perhaps Woo Yong is involved. And it is interesting to watch how many episodes pass where Tae is so desperate not to believe that truth. He doesn't want to accept that he turned into this piece of shit and didn't, you know, solve his brother's murder. And he doesn't want to accept that he chose to join hands with Woo Yong, who may be involved in the death of his own brother, that he's, you know, helping the people that are maybe caused his brother's death. And he's so desperate not to accept it, that it's almost like he keeps pulling this, these blinders over his eyes and just turning the other way. And it takes like, a really long time in the drama before he finally gets you just see him wavering back and forth like oh my gosh maybe this is true and then the next second he's like no 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 like I'm just gonna sink back into my you know this role that he's carved for himself and And I think also it's about the fact that, you know, he probably hasn't felt much in seven years. You know, he's just turned into such a cold, hard guy who doesn't have empathy for anybody. And this thing is just cracking him open. Like it is just bringing him back to absolute horror of his brother's death. And I think how he would have felt before he built up this, you know, these walls around him. So I thought it was just really great a really great character development. And I particularly just loved how long it took him to accept the truth. And I felt like that was a really realistic sort of self-defensive mechanism that I think human beings are really, really capable of forcing ourselves to believe something. If it's if it protects us to believe it and it protected Taekyong to believe that his brother died in this random accident because if it didn't it means that Taekyong abandoned his brother, abandoned the truth, joined hands with some very bad people and has become a very bad person and you know his brother wouldn't have wanted that for him. So it's it's so harsh watching this slow realisation, this push pull inside his heart as he slowly comes back to, I guess, how he used to be when he cared about the world and he cared about the people in the world. And he does do a complete about turn. You know, he ends up not really caring what happens to himself in exposing the truth, because of course he has done this terrible thing where he has been involved in these really intense murders and of, you know, the, the hit and run, uh, richie rich guys, you know, he was involved in their really violent deaths and he has to get to a point where Taekyung Accepts that if the whole conspiracy, if he can pull those threads and make the whole thing come tumbling down, he will most likely be implicated and go down with it. And it takes him a long time to get to the point where he realizes that. And then the decision he makes at that point is, well, I'm going to pull those threads anyway because it needs to be the truth. All that matters at this point is the truth. So I thought that was just really cool. Like as a writer, I get so interested in these really extreme kind of character development moments, um, which I just think K-dramas are fucking brilliant at. They're so good at writing these really deep, dark characters, either, you know, someone very innocent and good who turns really deep and dark, or fascinatingly, someone who is not a good person, who slowly wakes up to you know, feeling empathy for other people or in the case of Tae Kyung, someone who's, you know, used to be good and went dark and is slowly clawing his way out of this hole that he has built for himself. Like it is just fascinating writing. Um, So I think the show did really, really well with that aspect. And then, of course, all built around him and his own emotional reawakening is this really tightly knitted plot of all these different kind of characters and conspiracies and it is dark as fuck and very, very interesting. Okay, so now I wanted to talk about a character. Um, she's kind of a side character, but I felt, I felt like it was a really powerful character in this story and very interesting. Um, I think that often in in Korean dramas, Quite often, I don't think they kind of handle, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of K-dramas I've seen don't handle stuff like, you know, rape or single motherhood or, you know, girls that choose to have sex, like, particularly well sometimes. Like, I think maybe there's still a lot of cultural stigma about that kind of stuff Um, in Korea. I'm not really sure, but sometimes I feel that there's a little bit of, like, blaming that, you know. Blaming towards those kind like women, I guess, who are in those kind of situations, which kind of makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I really liked the way this drama handled it because there is a character in this. Um, the character's name is Jung Yong Mi. Um, she's played by a char- uh, an actress I've sort of seen in other stuff, uh, Ji He but I don't really know her. So Yong Mi is the character's name. So The main kind of conspiracy plot that is slowly unraveling in this drama is that these powerful men have this little creepazoid restaurant in this little creepy shit neighborhood. And basically these kind of entertainment, you know, like entertainment agencies um, who, you know, sign on all the big actors and actresses and K-pop groups or whatever, They also sign on rookie actresses and these rookie actresses might sign like a 10 year contract when they're about 17 and they don't really know what they're signing. And there's a clause in there that they have to do what management says or, you know, that's a breach in their contract and they have to pay back, you know, a ridiculous sum of money. So, I mean, it doesn't sound exactly legal, but also at the same time, I can see how something like this, it feels very real, you know, this kind of very young girls getting taken advantage of and being offered to, you know, be actresses, to be famous, to have this wonderful glittering career. And what, of course, really happens is that they are used as prostitutes by this agency and never given any roles, just strung along for years and years. Like if you get with this old dude, then I'll give you this cool role. And then it just never happens. And then, you know, by the time they're years into it and too deep into it, it's like, what can you even do at that point? If you bring it to light, you're definitely not going to have a career. You're going to be ruined. Um, And, you know, they might feel very, embarrassed that they've spent these years. They just feel so trapped, you know, they feel like they can't run away because they've signed this contract. And it's really, really horrifying, this conspiracy, because I feel like, I guess there's something that feels very real about the tone of it. Like it's something very real world that I feel happens. Um, And, you know, I know that there are a lot of scandals in the Korean entertainment industry. And I mean, not just career, obviously, around the whole world and even in Hollywood with the whole Me Too thing. And I think that these kind of um, entertainment industries, they just have this very long history of this kind of abuse of vulnerable young women and vulnerable young men who kind of get sexualized and treated really terribly. I mean, isn't that why every child star in America ever is like completely fucked up when they grow up? Like, and I think Hollywood is you know, now that people are exposing all this stuff, um, I think it's probably a little bit less likely to happen in this kind of climate. But, you know, back before, I think people couldn't talk about this stuff. It would always blow back on the victim. It would ruin their life and potentially not even touch the people that they were accusing of, you know, abusing them or sexually using them. And I think it was it's a very squicky storyline and conspiracy in this drama, this whole it's a prostitution ring. That's what it is, but it is, oh, it's so disturbing. And I think it's extra disturbing because there is all this news out of Korea kind of recently with their entertainment industry where this kind of stuff has happened. You know, all these people filming, you know, people, you know, like, I guess with prostitutes and stuff in hotels and or against them, you know, without their knowledge and just a lot of that kind of stuff coming out of the industry. Um, And I remember even I watched a drama a few years ago, which was actually it was a fucking terrible drama. It was a really old one and I hated it. But afterwards I realized the actress had actually killed herself and left behind a list of all the men. Like this is true, a list of the men that she'd been forced to have sex with in order to kind of get her career. And it's so fucked up. So, and I think that's why this storyline really hit me very hard because I felt like there is so much truth in it. And I don't, think this kind of stuff, I hope goes on anymore so much, but I know it's so squeamish to watch this stuff because you know, it's true in the past. Um, I hope it's not true now, but you know, who knows? Um, but what I really liked about this, you know, very disturbing and very, uh, I want to say blunt, you know, it was very in your face. There's no holds bar. They, they just, They're very honest, I think, about it, about how horrible it is. But what I liked about it is the character of young me, who's this very young actress who gets, you know, at 17 as a schoolgirl, signs this contract and gets sucked into it. And is this very, very unhappy young woman who doesn't know how to save herself and is just drowning in it all and doing what she's told and sleeping with all these disgusting old men. And I really liked that she felt like a real character. She felt like someone you empathized with, that you liked, that you wanted to get out of this situation alive. And I didn't feel like she was victim blamed. Like, I didn't feel like the drama ever made it seem like it was her fault that she was in this situation for being, you know, stupid or naive or, you know... um, Agreeing to sleep with these guys or anything. I felt like it it was very respectful towards her. She felt like a true person in this drama and she felt like someone who was desperately drowning and needed help. And it's, I found it very moving and very, very sad. And I think sad because of the truth peppered throughout the story. But I did really like the drama's treatment of her character, I think it was really good. Um, so I felt like she had a bit of a powerful role. So I guess the other (laughs) characters I want to mention are So there's kind of two dudes in this that are just complete psychos. One is just a psycho henchman who is like, I really didn't like him. I won't talk about him too much. He's kind of like a side character, but he's just there to do all the dirty deeds. But at the heart of the entire conspiracy is this um, guy who owns a conglomerate, you know, phone making company, like in the style of Samsung or something. And his name is Tuck Suho. And he, the actor who plays him, Park Sung Hoon, I don't think I've ever seen before. And he is so good in this at making your skin creepy crawl. Like he's a young man. He's very good looking and he's able to kind of put on this very charming face. But what I think the actor does really well is it becomes clear very early on when this character is introduced that he is completely psycho, like he is an actual psychopath. And you can see that the character doesn't feel the right emotions for the right situations, but he knows, the character knows how to put on the right face for the right situations. And I thought the actor just did such an amazing job of playing someone who doesn't feel anything, but puts on emotions. And I, I thought it was very clever the way that he did it. He's very disturbing in this, like amazingly disturbing. But what is fascinating about his psychopath character is that he's so rich that he has gotten away with things his whole life. And as well as being involved and, you know, basically almost running this um, prostitute ring, he is picking off actresses and taking them home and keeping them prisoner and murdering them eventually. Like it's completely fucked up. But the thing that is fascinating about him as a character is that he's so rich. He thinks he's completely untouchable. Like he truly believes that he can do anything he wants. And I mean, that's a, uh, it's such an interesting thing. You know, he is a bad guy who believes he's God, basically. You know, he's not a bad guy who's trying to cover his tracks. He's not a bad guy who has a sad childhood or a, a sad reason to be a bad guy. Like he is a man with no remorse. He doesn't even know how to feel empathy. He's good at putting it on, but he doesn't feel anything except vague amusement at all the people, you know, tumbling over each other, which he just sees as ants beneath him. And I thought it was an amazing performance by this actor. He is disturbing as fuck. I'll be interested if I ever see him, you know, in a different role in a K-drama where he's someone nice to see whether I can handle it or not, because he's so good in this at being a complete creep. Um, so the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, um, I think, you know, the whole plot is fantastic. It's just layer upon layer of twisty turns and it gets very, very dark, but one thing that, and I hated this, but I don't hate it. Like I think the writers did a bad job at all. I think the writers wrote everything well, but I hate this thing that happened. So It's very, very interesting. But it turns out that Nana's beloved, you know, holier than thou prosecuted dad has actually gone to this horrible restaurant when he was younger, seven years earlier. And he has slept with a young woman there. Like he got really drunk and he didn't know what he was doing, but he did it. And it's foul. It's disgusting. And it just absolutely breaks Nana's heart, like completely, that her father did this, even though, you know, and, you know, people are like, to, oh, you know, it was only one time and he didn't, you know, do it again and, you know, he was really drunk and she's just like, fuck all of you, he did it. And that's the worst thing that's ever happened to her. It's so distressing. But what kills me about it is this father's choice, then he. He covers up this crime that if you pull on, you know, the death of Tae Kyung's younger brother, he covers up like all the different threads of that because he knows that if someone properly investigates that case, they'll pull those threads and it will lead them to this conspiracy of prostitution, which will lead to him and he will go down. So he decides that he is going to continue on being the greatest prod- prosecutor in the whole world and seeking justice. And when he gets to this really lofty position in the future where he's running for like, I don't know, fucking general mayor or some shit, I can't remember. But his idea is that once he gets this lofty position and has all this power then he will expose it and he will expose everyone. And it's almost like that's supposed to be a noble thing because he's willing to put, you know, get rid of himself, take himself down with this conspiracy. But all I can think about is he's fucking sitting on this knowledge for 7 fucking years while these young women are getting sexually abused and disappeared and murdered for 7 years while he buries that case. And I I thought that was the absolute foulest thing that I have ever come across. It made me so angry. It made me hate him so much. And I don't I, I, I mean, I like how complicated Nana feels about it. I mean, this is her dad and she's looked up to him her whole life and she loves him. And what he does to free, I guess, her of the burden of trying to decide whether to protect him or pursue the case is her father kills himself. He jumps off a building so she can freely, you know, just go for it and bring these men down with no collateral collateral, nothing kind of held in the balance to hold her back. But his decision to bury that case for seven years was fucked up. And I hate his guts. Like it is the most disgustingly cowardly thing I'd ever come across. It made me so angry, as you can tell from my ranting. (laughs) So I guess that's it from me. I think it was just, uh, you know, I won't go into the whole end and everything and I'll leave that for everyone. I totally recommend this drama. Uh, If you are at all pushed towards like, you know, those kind of dark OCN style, I actually don't think this is OCN, but you know, that real kind of style of drama, um, then definitely check this out. It is slick. It looks beautifully, beautiful. It is beautifully shot and framed. Like every image is quite rich and gorgeous in a really filtered noirish kind of way. The character stuff is done really really well. There is the tiniest hint of romance, but there's basically no romance. Um if that floats your boat or not, I don't know, but you know, I love romance and I still really enjoyed this drama. It's very satisfying and oh, the plot was really really good. And I think it it has some really interesting characters. So I 100% Uh, If you haven't seen it, I would say check it out. It's really good. And that brings me to the end of my discussion about the 2019 Korean drama Justice. And now that brings me to my random thing of the week. So my random thing for this week is very much crime related um so I have this book of folk tales which I have been reading they're Korean folk tales um basically like you know tales for the people I suppose like uh entertainment tales that were around during the Joseon dynasty that have been translated into English in in these little group of books that I have um that are very fascinating and a lot of them are you know moral uh, moral tales uh, you know with teaching lessons a lot are about um you know filial women and chaste women and stuff like that but one of them called the tale of ane is um it's a true crime story so basically what happened was this young um young bun woman uh, basically <laughs> this ex uh giseng woman who was much older for whatever reason, started spreading rumours that Anne had kind of got together with this handsome local bachelor who the tale describes as being 15 or 16 years of age, which is pretty funny for a, a yeah very young, handsome bachelor of the time. guess that was marriageable age back then. But anyway, this old gisang spreads this, you know, these awful rumours about this young woman, uh, Anne. And Anne is so... I guess her reputation is severely damaged by this. And, you know, it's very hard for her to get married. Eventually she does get married to one guy, but the rumours persist and everyone in the town, you know, is saying bad stuff about her and her chastity or whatever. So Anne goes and gets a freaking kitchen knife, goes and finds this older Gisang lady and then stabs her up 18 times. And then she gets arrested by the magistrate and this huge kind of conundrum happens where they're not really sure what to do because the Gisang, who's dead is you know she's of this very very lowly you know slave class while anae is from the young bun class but she's also murdered someone and they don't really know what to do because it's a crime that you know the older woman was spreading these rumors I just dropped something. Sorry. But obviously, you know, you can't go around murdering people apparently back then. <laughs> so um, they don't really know what to do when they end up, you know, passing along the, the case to the king. And what's really interesting is so this actually happened in 1790. The king was reviewing major cases. So this is King Jongjo. And in the end, he decides to offer Anae clemency. He lets her go. He absolves her of her crime of murdering this giseng. And what he asks the magistrate to do is write up the tale of Anae and, you know, spread it far and wide around the land because he actually kind of, I guess, feels that Anae did the right thing. I don't know. And she stabbed this woman up like 18 times, which is a very specific number, which comes out in this little creepy tale of a true life crime from 1790 Korea so there you go I mean that's it it's a really creepy little uh, story little crime story from a really really long time ago during the Joseon dynasty so that's a pretty random thing I guess something that I am loving this week um there's actually a lot of k-dramas that I'm just fucking loving this week that are so good but I won't talk about them because I do want to talk about them in a lot of depth in the future so I'd rather sort of save up all my thoughts and excitement um but let's just say I've been watching some Saaguk dramas recently that are just coming out this year and they're just fucking amazing. But anyway, I thought I would talk today, um, something that I'm loving is a book that I have read. Um, I'm not sure if anyone has heard of The Night Tiger by Yangzi Chu. Um, she's an American author um, and it is set in Malaysia in the 1930s and it is so good. If you, well, look. As I mentioned a thousand billion times, I'm into romance and this book isn't a romance. It is like this kind of melding of myth and, you know, history and historical fiction. Um, but there is a romance in it that is just beautiful it's so moving it's so well done i was just obsessed but it's also got a mystery in it as well um kind of like mixing like folklore in with this sort of colonial malaysian setting um it's very very fascinating and very, very well written. It's a, it's a completely fantastic book. So I'd say if you, if you enjoy to read, I think you should definitely check out *The Night Tiger* by Yangzi Chu, and that is about Y A N G, S Z E, and then Chu C H O O. Um, She's wonderful. I think she's such a good author. I've read one of her other books before, uh, which was called The Ghost Bride. Um, And again, it was this kind of melding of um, kind of Chinese Malaysian myth and folklore and the afterlife into this love story set in, you know, the history of Malaysia. Um, Really, really good. Um, But The Night Tiger, definitely check it out if you get the chance. It is a wonderful read. I just adored it.